Hi friends, I'm Katie Brinkley and you're listening to Rocky Mountain Marketing. With nearly two decades helping business owners, consultants, and coaches with their digital marketing, I know that social media can be an incredible tool to grow your business when you know how to do it the right way. And that's what we're going to do today. I teach you how to navigate the world of entrepreneurship and digital marketing, and hopefully you'll grow your business with a few great tips you wouldn't have known otherwise, and maybe even discover a great local business you love. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to this week's episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. I'm really excited to be sitting down with today's guest because I've seen him speak on stage a number of times, and we're so in alignment on just the way that we approach marketing and treating others as a human being. And actually, I, I had the opportunity of, of seeing him earlier in 2023. After I saw him take the stage, I was like, man, I have to bring him onto the podcast for all of you guys, because I think it's a good refresher as to how we should be approaching our business, approaching our marketing, and really how we should be treating our employees, our customers, everybody. So today's guest is none other than Brian Kramer, and he is the proud father of Human to Human, or H2H, an executive coach, a keynote speaker, investor. He does virtual and in-person global keynotes. I mean, he's done it all, and he's also a TED Talker. Brian, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today, because I think that one of the things that we all need to do is take a step back and start talking to one another and treating each other as more than just a number. With social media, we're all about how many followers, with podcasting, how many downloads. But we have to take that step back and think, well, there's an actual person that comes behind every number. So thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, wow. That is such a kind introduction. Thank you. I loved watching you as well. I, I got to see you speak. So we're, we're in the mutual ad admiration club here. <laughs> a quick step back for those listeners who might not be familiar with you. I said you're the proud father of human to human or H2H. How did you really get started with speaking and having your focus be on this whole human to human concept? It's a good question. We had an agency that we started in 2001, and this is before social media, So, which is so weird to say that 2001 is before social, but feels like it was a long time ago. There was still a lot of disruption happening around them, which was more around uh, the internet, building websites and creating human experiences on the web through through digital. And that was the transformation that we saw. I've always worked in digital transformation since I graduated uh, college, and that was my job or my role, um, was helping to transform agencies and, and marketing uh, firms. The thing that I always thought that was missing was the human-to-human -human connection or the human experience, depending upon what we were working on. And when we started the agency, we started with that concept in mind and started to create um, everything around the human experience. And as social media came on the scene, it kind of parlayed really nicely into what we had already been saying. I would talk to, like yourself, I would talk to a wall if it was willing to listen about it. I was talking at Rotaries and you name it, think anybody that would hear it. I just loved it. I, I still love speaking. I don't like the massive travel that came with it, but I do like the, the speaking part. Getting on stage is just like 
to answer your question was just like a gift to be able to talk to people about what I love doing, which was this topic. One day in 2014, I was sitting in front of the right audience at Bloomberg in San Francisco. It was an executive marketing audience and social media was really taken off. It was just like Twitter, formerly known as, and um, uh, LinkedIn <laughs> and Facebook and all these great platforms were really coming on the scene and everything changed because now all of a sudden companies had to actually listen to the customer. There was like, they had a voice and they're like, what do we do? It changed everything because then all of a sudden it was really human to human. It was like, oh my God, it's not just like radio, TV, and newspaper anymore. This is like the customer can actually say bad stuff about us and we have to talk back to them. So that's where H to H came from. I spoke about it on stage and right place, right time, right audience with a build of my personal brand leading up to that, that gave it a little bit more oomph that really took off in the next 24 hours. It got over 24 million impressions and just took off. And then my book released soon after that, which did fairly well. That just kind of like sprung forward into even more speaking and traveling 200 days a year and really taking the message globally. Man, 200 days of travel. That sounds yeah. exhausting. No, yeah, it, it wasn't any fun. <laughs> well, so let's talk a little bit about this whole human to human concept of here we have social media. They have a microphone too. It's not just us, you know, paying the money for the TV spot or for the billboard or the magazine print at whatever. We're worried we have the microphone as a business. Yeah. Now, our customers and our clients have a microphone too. So talk to us a little bit about how we should be embracing our clients and customers having their own microphone about our business. Mm. It's such a, a beautiful thing that we actually get to hear from them because now we know what they like and what they don't like. And a lot of people were really good at this topic in terms of like Jay Bear talks about hugging your haters when you have them. Then there's the customer service aspect of it, which many friends of ours talk about. There's then your raving fans that actually will mm -hmm. talk about you and sh you know root you or, sh or share you from the rooftops. So there's different flavors of different shares or different pieces, and that's why I wrote my second book on shareology because sharing does power. I believe it powers every company. And when you harness the power of sharing in the right direction, you can really create. And an incredible brand that sticks, a brand that will stick around even in the worst of times because now you've got something that you can hang your hat on. I think that that's how you deal with it is you really start to harness and, and hone in on who are your uh, top 1% raving fan people. That's where I'd start for any brand personally, because I think that you can't take on the world. It's the, the social media land is just too massive. But if you take on the top 1%, of who that is in your world or who it could be and you start there and start creating a community around that then anything is possible when you know shit hits the fan they're going to be there to help support you or when um you want to build your company to to new new goals and new lengths they're going to be there to support you and that means giving them more insight giving them more things to focus in on and and understand and maybe behind the scenes stuff that they wouldn't otherwise get access to like really treating them like the raving fans that they are. Sharing, I think, on social media isn't just about sharing, it's also cultivating relationships so that then it starts to create more 
outwardly for the company that you want to be, kind of like the Jerry Maguire approach, the company that you want to be that we almost love, which every company really is. Oh, yeah. And I think that so many businesses almost are approaching their social media as a to-do list. Mm. And one of the things that you said just now was, how are you building out your community around your brand, around your business to create those raving fans? So what advice would you have to business owners who are using social media as a to-do list? All right, I I went ahead and made that short form video. I did a post, whatever. How would you talk to them and, and try and kind of shift their mindset into creating those raving fans, creating that community? One of the things that when we started Pure Matter, we went through a lot of different iterations, but one of the things that we really focused in on eventually was influencer marketing. And it was just pivotal when we started to really create influencer programs for companies like IBM. We created their first global influencer program globally. What we did is we brought in 30 influencers that were not yet influencers. In fact, Brian Fanzo was one of them. There were people that were on their way up and we took the AI that IBM had Watson and ran everybody's profiles, a whole bunch of people through Watson and it told us who the up and comers were in lots of different spaces. So in like HR and in uh, technology and in um, all these different sectors and we brought them in to a real in-person experience. We held a day-long new way to work kind of workshop. We had them run it and tell us what is the future for how we're gonna work, which ironically uh, next, I think it's next week that's 10 years from when we actually did it. They basically started to forecast and predict what was this new way to work. Now, what we did is we captured all of their stuff on video and in white papers and in had content created. And by the time they had left, we had content for six to 12 months that was being put out that was co-created by the influencers themselves. And it was co-created as futurists. So they were not only helping to determine what was going to happen eventually, but also kind of put up on a pedestal next to IBM as the future of what a new way to work was going to be. And that helped for them to want to share it because now they co-created this content that was helping to put it out into the world. And they were standing tall saying, hey, we help, you know, not only do this, but we believe in it because we came up with it. So it's not just IBM saying this, it's the influencer saying this or the futurist saying this. It really made a difference. And that's what I think companies have the power to do is really bring things into that human-to-human experience and create them so that then people are willing to share because it was co-created, not just created in a, by the brand, but with the brand. It, when you're able to co-create, I love collaboration over competition, So for someone that doesn't have AI Watson helping them find these up and coming influencers, how can you find your biggest fans to to collaborate with? So the good news is that we all have a Watson now. Um, Back then, Watson was like an enterprise development AI. And now we all have ChatGPT and we've got all Claude and all these different AI pieces of software that we can use to run these sorts of things through. So it is possible for anyone to build kind of like their mini influencer campaign, if you will, or your fan campaign. There's a lot of software out there too, as you know, like different pieces of software that will, like Agora Pulse, there's different, it just, you can almost throw a rock and hit some 
any piece of software that's going to pull in a list of people that are going to show you who's sharing your stuff. But it's not just about who's sharing your stuff. It's who is out there that really believes in the vision and the why behind what it is that you're standing behind. And then how can you pull them in based upon a combined belief in behind the why of what it is that you believe in? Those are the kinds of people that you really want. With all of what we're doing online, we have the opportunity to collaborate, to listen, to grow with people all over the world. All, not, not just all over our local area, but pe people we see come into our store all the time. We have people all over the world that can tell us their insights of what they think about the podcast or what they thought about your book, whatever. There's so many different ways for us to get feedback. So let's talk about how we can speak, market, and more importantly, how we can sell using this human-to-human -human strategy that you've really coined. It, the best way to explain it is through, first and foremost, what is it that attracts us to another human through a digital footprint? Because we don't have the context of being in front of them. So what we do is we make assumptions about who they are based upon what we see, what we hear, what we know of them and what they share online. It's not the context, it's not the body language that we're used to, but yet it's what we see. It's the digital body language of what creates our own assumption of who they are. The best thing that we can do as brands is to, it's the three pillars that I focused on in, in H2H, which is simplicity, empathy, and imperfection. You can kind of break these down in terms of, you know, simplicity, like what brand, you know, really creates that brand that you really identify with because you totally get them. Like you, you understand what they sell, what, how they speak, you understand what they're saying. I mean, I don't know how many technology companies I used to do marketing for, and I still don't know what they do. So there's a lot of different ways that we can combine simplicity into how we speak, how many acronyms are out there that we work with where we're like, what are you talking about? We have to understand your language. And, and if we do, then as a customer, we're going to want to work with you more. So that's simplicity. Like Apple's great at simplicity. They just, whether you're an Apple person or not, you know what they sell, you know how many products they sell and how to get a customer service pretty easily. Empathy is the hard, one of the hardest ones next up because you can't really express empathy too well on, on digital platforms other than how you might come across in video, which is a little bit easier. Um, empathy is embracing empathy though. It's all about embracing the customer and their experience. So if they had a bad experience with, their pizza delivery, own it publicly and say, hey, look, let's make it right. I think a lot of companies do that well and a lot of companies don't. You see a lot of nonprofits do that well. I think some travel companies have a hard time with it. Um, air, airlines are notorious for uh, having to take care of that kind of stuff. Rental car companies, any kind of travel. And the last one's imperfection. Imperfection is how we embrace imperfection and the things that there is no perfection. I love, Katie, by the way, you are full-on human in this way because the way that you express yourself and i've started to really since we met even more in this last conference i love seeing how you show up and how you're challenging people and how you like really put it out there and what you believe and and you know this is what i believe and 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 you really like stand by it and it's a, it's a really imperfectly perfect kind of way and it just like makes you well, want to get to know you <laughs> I found myself like 
really wanting to answer your questions on, I think it was Facebook because of that. And I think brands have that opportunity. Like don't show up perfectly. Don't try to craft the perfect question. Don't try to craft the perfect way of being on Instagram. Oh my God. If Instagram could be like, you know, 90% trying to be perfect in the category of, we all know that. I mean, we're not idiots. We know that we know what you're trying to do. And it's the imperfect ones that we, that we love more. I mean, you know, it's that whole approach of like, what we, we really gravitate towards and our real friendships in the world are the ones that are imperfect. So really think about that in terms of a brand too, like brands really, when they don't create that perfection and they start to really show up as a human brand, it really makes a difference. So when you combine all three, simplicity, empathy, and imperfection, now we want to stand by the brand. Now it's like that, that whole, like, you know, Jerry Maguire approach to like, wow, we believe in the company you almost are. And even though you're an underdog, we're going to stick with you because there is, that's every company out there, but which one can actually embrace it? That's the key. Well, I think that too, Brian, a lot of businesses are still having that hard time of being willing to be vulnerable. I love the fact that you, you're like, oh, I love that you're on your soapbox, you're standing, but it took me a while to get there because it is hard to be judged, not just by our peers, but by strangers on the internet. Yeah. A lot of business owners, they think, well, it's more than just me at my business. Why should I have to be the one to show my face? And two, I don't feel comfortable doing that, being the human. So what advice or tips would you give to people about one giving their business the face and two, not being afraid of it? Oh, that's a powerful one. Good question. You're right. It takes a long time for you to get the chutzpah, if you will, to really <laughs> step up and, and say like, this is what I believe in. I think the really ability part is really hard for a lot of people when you know that everyone's looking, right? It's kind of like, it's kind of like the same thing that can pull you up is the same thing that you feel like can drag you down. And you don't want to be, you're standing there in front of everyone as a representative of the, of a brand. And if you say the wrong thing, it could be the wrecking ball to your brand. Right. And, mm -hmm. and we've seen that happen. I mean, you've seen Mark Zuckerberg step up and say some things and you're like, who are you dude? Same thing with, with Elon Musk. I mean, same thing with, with Bill Gates, same thing with every single person that you've seen speak has gotten up and said something that you don't like. And yet we have some little ounce of respect for them because they stood up and they actually said what they believe. So that's the thing. You're never going to make everyone happy, but do you want to attract the top 1%, the top 5% of the right people into your business? Because that's all that really at the end of the day does matter. It, it's not about actually making everyone happy. It's about making the top one or 5% happy into, and I don't mean happiness of creating their own happiness, but happy with what it is that you stand for so that they, they want to be coming along for the ride. And those kinds of people exist for everyone. I think everybody is an influencer on something. Find out what that is and you'll get your community. Try to appeal to as many people as possible, but you're going to find your community, your tribe by just being you and being a human. And I wish that everyone agreed with all the things I said, but uh, they, they don't. And I mean, as of right now, I have a six and a nine year old. They still think mom is cool. Man, are they in for a shock in about two years when they realize mom is not that cool, but 
kind you you will find the people that believe in what you're doing, understand with what what it is that your business is about and what makes you different. And whether or not they want to buy from you, they want to tell all their friends about you. They want to engage with your posts. They want to listen to your podcast, read your books, do all the things because they're your community. They're your biggest fans. And if you have those people in your corner, you can continue growing from there as long as you keep. So I love that. So oh, I, I get it about the kids that my kids, <laughs> we could get them together. They'll all have a campfire around how we're both on cool. So I, <laughs> that makes a lot yeah. of sense. They think that I didn't bring it out this time, Brian, but I do have a pretty sweet fanny pack. My daughter's <laughs> also that I wear and my daughter's like, I want a fanny pack too. And I'm like, Oh man, in just a few years, you're going to be like, mom, why was I wearing that stupid fanny pack? And I'll be like, well, you thought it was cool because mom thinks they're cool. Hands free. <laughs> all right. So, all right. As we kind of wrap up today, I want to talk how we can really build out that trust by showing up authentically, by listening to our, our community and listening to our audience, by collaborating with the right people. How does that build the trust in our business to really help us scale and grow? So trust is, as we all know, trust is earned. And if we're not building trust, especially as marketers, I think marketers are the worst offenders of this. They think that just because you're marketing and using ads that you've now created demand and they haven't started with trust. Trust, I think, I believe, and this is where I'm heading if it gives you kind of insight into more of what I'm working on. So I don't have the complete answer yet, but... Uh, what I have done and what I do know is that trust, I believe now more than ever should be at the center, not the customer. Uh, the customer's next up. We've always said that the customer should be at the center, but the problem with that is that we're starting with the customer and their needs versus building trust first and then working towards the, the customer. So how do we build trust? Well, trust is like not built overnight. So we have to know that that's the case. We all learn this in communications 101, peeling the onion, the layers of the onion and getting to that soft gooey center where eventually like we're bawling and it just really gets us tearful. That's the same thing as a customer. If you sell them a product right away, the chances of them being a long-term customer is not good. So if you're just there for the one-off, your company won't survive. If you're building something where you're peeling the onion, and you're creating trust along the way, and now you're earning that purchase, that's what's gonna do it. The other thing that I'll say is that those things that I talked about, simplicity, empathy, and imperfection, that those are the layers to trust. So the more that you put them into your content, the more that you put them into your emails, the more that you put them into your relationships, everything's gonna start to unfold as it should. Rather than focusing on, and you said this before, how many followers do we have? How many likes do we have? How many engagement? Like the number one key metric I, I think we should all be focused on is, is engagement. If we have engagement, we have everything else. Engagement means, and even if it's bad, it's still good because you get to hear what they're saying. So engagement is the key to unlocking more of understanding how to gain more trust. And if you have engagement up, you're going to get more clicks. You're going to get more likes. You're going to get more of all those things. But move your engagement KPI up and everything else will, will unfold from there, especially trust. 
so you said the simplicity. How simple should we be with our audience? Because I know that there's times where there's definitely times where I sit down with my tax person and I say, okay, explain this to me like I'm five because it's still not clicking up here. But I don't think you're saying simplicity in that regard. Simplicity is taking the complex, just like you said, and making it understandable for everybody or for the people that want to buy your product. Um, think about that Tiffany box. I mean, what is it about that blue box? It's the brand is no different than any other brand except it has a blue box. And I gave one to my wife early on in our relationship and it was like, well, you, what? What did you do? There's a, you gave me the blue box. I'm like, never mind what's in it. It's the blue box. That's the simplicity of the whole thing. The brand is built around a blue box. And I'm like, you did what, you know, what no other jewelry company could really understand. And that's the simplicity of the gift itself is the gift. Like the actual blue box is the gift. What's in it is the cherry on top. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is the same thing that brands create is the experience. The experience is the, it can be just as fun or just as good as the actual product itself. And that's where I think companies fall down is how do they create more complex experiences than they have to be. And you think about that, like when you get an Apple box, I'm sorry, again, I'm using Apple, but when you open it up, it's just so like wonderfully, like, you know, like unfolds and does this and it's it's just so simple and so small and so easy and you're like wow okay that was good when you do that with also with how we speak like when people speak like the language we all want to be spoken to us but without asking because we want to be treated like dumbasses we want to be treated like we actually like you know don't get what you do until you tell us in simplistic terms because i'm not an accountant you know i didn't study accounting i need to know like what does this mean? Did I save money or did I lose money? I just want to know. Like, and yeah. why? To, can you just explain that to me? And so that's the same thing for everything. Everything in this world is how easy you can explain it to another person means that you're going to get more business because you can do it in a way that nobody else can. I love that. And I also am a huge fan of Apple simplicity of like the whole unboxing experience. It's so easy. And Honestly, then like as soon as it's over, I'm like, oh, well, now I got to wait like two more years until I get the next iPhone. But it's so simple. You can open it up. And there is something about not overcomplicating things, making them simple. That's going to, again, help you connect with people because not my, my mom, God love her. She still thinks I build websites despite the fact I've had this social media agency uh, for over seven years now. And I'm like, well, it's more like Facebook bomb, but you built the websites, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> but anyways, well, Brian, this has been such a great conversation. I think that one of the biggest takeaways for me is really the metrics that we focus in on need to be about the person on the other side of the computer screen. They need to be on the, about the person that's reading the email, the person that's listening to the podcast. What final tips or any final parting words do you have for our listeners today? So here's, here's what I would say. If you take anything away from anything I've said or anything that we've talked about, take this away. That being human is now more than ever your competitive advantage. 
if you are more human in like re replying to somebody with a personal video, like reply to somebody in a way that like shows up that shows them that you're real. For instance, we did this uh, campaign with IBM and we did a Valentine's Day campaign and we put their name onto a Valentine's card and tweeted it out to every single person that was an influencer and said, we heart you today more than ever and put their name on it and then put a picture of them on it. And it was just like, just for them. Like we just created this just for, you know, that person and, um, and then put it out on, onto social. And it's like, well, IBM took this time to create this thing for this person and everyone else saw it and they're like, that's so cool. I want to be seen. That's really what it's all about. It's about making others and helping others to be seen by what you do. And if you can do that, I mean, what a gift, right? That, that'll change the trajectory of how your brand shows up forever. It's, it's those little things that make the biggest difference, right? So, well, Brian, thank you again so much for joining us on Rocky Mountain Marketing today. This has been an awesome conversation. If people want to want what they want to see you speak on stage or if they want to keep up to date with all of your happenings, what's the best way for people to connect with you online? Yeah, it's really super hard. If you go to briankramer.com, Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K, or at Brian Kramer anywhere. I say Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K, which ironically, I was just talking to my dad a couple weeks ago, and I spelled my name for him because, I don't know, I do that all the time, weird. And he looked at me and goes, I named you. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K, dot com. Amazing. Well, Brian, thank you again so much for joining us on Rocky Mountain Marketing today. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. Make sure to subscribe so that you can continue navigating the world of entrepreneurship. And I'd love to hear from you. Please leave the show a review and connect with me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Katie Brinkley or connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you're ready to start making some sales on social media, be sure to grab my free guide to selling in the DMs without being spammy. You can get that at katiebrinkley.com. Let's keep taking your marketing to all new heights.